that guy? Who the fuck is that? the rugby pod with big jim and goody back for season five we're back you are it's gonna be bigger and better than ever isn't it oh yeah hell yeah i mean yeah well before we get into how your summer's been so far we've got a new sponsor on board who's getting the party started with some free beer Woo! beer 52 it's the most popular craft beer discovery club in the world They send a brand new case of beers to their members each month from places like New Zealand, South Africa, South Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. And they're a British company as well. So Beer 52 are passionate about UK craft beers as well. So, um, And as a welcome offer for all Rugby Pod listeners, they're offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best brewers on the planet for free. Free. For free? No way. For free. Absolutely. Absolutely no charge for the beers. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby. Make sure you put in that forward slash rugby. You'll get eight free beers and only have to cover for the postage. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com. And you can choose from dark beer or light beers and your case will come with an award-winning beer magazine called Ferment and a tasty snack in there as well. And if you change your mind, um, you can pause your subscription. You can cancel your account at any time. Uh, Just go to beer52.com forward slash rugby. Don't forget that bit to get your first case of eight beers for free. That's beer52.com forward slash rugby. And by doing so, you'll also be supporting the Rugby Pod. And if your brand or company wants to reach the millions of Rugby Pod listeners throughout the season, just get in touch by emailing sponsorship at therugbypod.com for all details on how we can help. How's your last couple of months been, lads? Firstly, how good is it to be back? Season 5, it's been four long years with you, Jim, and now we're into Season 5. It's been unbelievable. But... To start off the new pod, we're offering all our listeners free beers. Get the bloody beers in, Beer 52. You're welcome, people. Mate, they're not just a UK company. They're a Scottish company. How you doing? Oh, okay. But, mate, Goody, yeah, it is good to be back. Um, I like your hair and all that. You're looking great. I've lied, but, I'm. you know, it's just all positive. <laughs> it's all about positive energy. And as you said, a big shout out to Beer 52, a big thank you. I've used Beer 52 before. Sometimes you can promote stuff for the sake of promoting. We don't do that. We're not doing it now. So a big shout out to them. And, uh, mate, how good is it to be back? I, I tell you what, I'd go as far as saying I've missed you. All of you. Yes, really? All of you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether that's because I've missed you or that in lockdown, if we can still say that word and we're not going to get thrown off the interweb, I'd say I've survived, not thrived, right? <laughs> there's two types of people. Well, there's maybe three. Survival mode, that's me. That's the Hamilton household. We have been in complete survival, try and get through. We thrived for about two or three days. We got the colouring books out. We've, we've done the jigsaws. We've eaten organically. We've done all that. Then next thing, it's like, just try not to shout, Dad. Just try not to shout. <laughs> then you have the other side of people that obviously thrive, put it all on social media, do all them things I've just said. They carry on with the colouring books and jigsaws for months on end. I mean, how long has it been? It's been about a year, it's felt like. And then you get the other ones who literally, it's just every man, woman, child and dog for themselves. Just, just It's not even survival. It is literally just you're on the brink of 
separation. Maybe that's me. I, I need to reassess where I am. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, you took the missus out for a nice uh, few beers the other night, didn't you? You and the missus are still solid. We're solid, but we're not solid as a rock. We're just... Uh, oh, baby. We're solid, mate. That's it. But um, going back to my point, I've missed you. I've missed, I've missed you all. It might not last. We'll see. I was excited. I, I, was, I was ready to do the podcast from yesterday. Uh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be back. Yeah, it's been weird not doing the podcast, but we're refreshed. We're ready to go. There's some big news. There's rugby's coming back. Beer 52 are handing out free beers everywhere. And Jim, you look a very nice father sat there in your baggy white t-shirt with your shirt. Where have your shoulders gone in lockdown? What the fuck have you been doing? Just training, mate. Just keeping fit. But you know what it is about the podcast? I can be who I want to be. Um, I can be Jim. I can be the legend. I can be the hero that all these things that are being screamed from the outside coming in. I can be that person. In the house, it's time out, Jim. I'm putting the kids on time out. I'm trying to explain why they need to sit on time out. Next thing, now the twins are more capable in terms of speaking. Um, they're still in nappies. I mean, we're trying to get them out of them. But imagine trying How to that, do, mate. How odd's that? I'm trying to do. Imagine trying to potty train, nappy train, toilet train, twins. When you got two other kids, when you're working all the time, when you're training like an absolute trojan, and all these things, it's just impossible. <laughs> anyway, anyway. I keep telling us about your potty training, mate. How's it going? Well, it's not going. Oh. That's the thing. So I'm walking in the house from whatever I'm doing, and Freya's putting one of her dollies on timeout, shouting at them. I'm like, why are you shouting at them? Well, that's what daddy does. So anyway, there's no shouting. <laughs> Apparently, it's all reasoning with kids. You have to reason with them now. I'm trying to reason with a two-year-old. You need to sit there, please. You need to sit on timeout because you did not listen to dad. You will sit here for two minutes. If you move, I'll come. Next thing, you're reading them the rights. Even though you can't go through with the rights, you're reading them. You say, you keep. by the end of it, genuinely, I put them on timeout and then I walk out. I come back and I've been on a work call to Goody, obviously um, a podcast meeting or whatever, and then I head back into the mix and obviously they're not sat on timeout. They probably sat there for about 10 seconds. Um, but I'm trying my very best. I'm, you know, without breaking down, I'm trying my best. I'm surviving. And that's what life is about. It's about survival. Goody, is it a similar situation in your house because you've got twins at the moment as well? Well, at the moment, you've got twins. I say at the moment, I've got <laughs> twins. Uh, <laughs> I say at the moment no, not- for Jim because they may not be, yeah. Well, well Jim's, is, Jim's is a seven-day-a-week issue. Uh, for me, it's only a three-day-a-week battle because uh, obviously the nanny comes. She is an absolute hero. She comes in, gets them out of bed at about 9.30 in the morning. The twins sleep ridiculously well, and she just takes them out for the day. She is an absolute godsend. So uh, Monday to Thursday, that allows me to um, go on my bike rides. I've been, yeah, I know, you can see it. Lost a bit of timber. You were going to say it, weren't you, Jim? Oh, mate, genuinely, I think you've lost a bit of timber, I'll be honest. I mean, on the photo that we put out of the release of the podcast that's you at your worst you've read there's a rash <laughs> no stress rash. there's no rash just, now just sweaty 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 mate you actually look really really good for me for you well yeah oh, yeah, yeah. yeah for you yeah. so i've been out on the bike you know monday to thursday get out on the bike uh, you know obviously working in my foreign exchange job it's monday to thursdays i'm a different bloke to friday saturday sunday because friday saturday sunday is sort of batting down the hatches the chef's gone the nanny's not there you know the cleaner's not there so I'm doing the lot with the missus um, which basically means she does most of it and I just give advice which I get in trouble for so um, yeah I mean listen it's it's been interesting what what I have found is settling in your own house and staying at home as in basing myself in the house that we live in um, is quite a simple way of keeping the twins in a 
pattern that they enjoy, Jim. Um, <laughs> and I know where I'm going with this. Uh, you know, we take them out, we take them to the zoo, we take them to the parks, you know, water parks and stuff that we can go to that have opened up again. So there's loads of activities going on. But the bottom line is, they know they're coming home to their bedroom, coming home to bed. And I'm just looking forward to this one story of Jim Hamilton's lockdown road trip, shall we call it, Jim? Well, mate, what's six months without moving again? <laughs> where are you now because when we finish the podcast i don't even know where you are you <laughs> it's a brick wall like that we just see you. that could be anywhere mate there's no wall at the border mate there's no wall there <laughs> there isn't not what Adrian's i saw wall. anyway exactly no mate I'm, I'm back where the heart is where i need to be where i was born to be you know I'm back in Scotland, mate, and the, the, the millions know it. The millions know it, and you know, like Billy Vanapol used to call me the Beyonce of, of Scotland. Uh, it's what it is. What it is, as that famous poet used to say. It's I'm back. Um, I'm back in Scotland. It's a good thing. The kids are happy, and you know why I'm back in Scotland? Because the kids start school a month early, so they're back in school tomorrow, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And that is the only reason I am back in Scotland. I'll be honest, but it's good. It's good to be home again. We'll see where we are in six months' time, but um, I don't. I genuinely during lockdown, and we know we were thinning um, over the last couple of years for whatever reason. Sun's got on board. Boom, we're, we're getting back to my very best. Grey hairs in the last two months have started sprouting out, and God, I look good with it, mate. I look like Mick Jagger. Um, has he got grey ass? And how did the how did the family enjoy the trip back to Scotland? Are they happy? I didn't ask them. I put them on time out as soon as we got here, so <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the first that wasn't the first thing that that I asked them. Nor have I asked them over the last three or four months because it's survival. You don't look back. We didn't look back for the journey. Everything is about the here and now, and just waking up the next day, praying for no screaming. Praying for no shouting and praying that it's my morning where there's no shit in the nappy. That's what that is. It that is all I think. I'm living in the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been tough for everyone, hasn't it? Uh, my golf handicaps come down though as well, which is pretty good. You know, I've time. So I love the nanny. My golf handicaps down. I've been out on the bike. Why is it that wherever you go, you feel like you're going uphill into the wind? Is it just the mess that is on the mass or the mess that is on the bike? Or I think when you're just going that fast, Goody. Um, that that headwind's always going to be there, or or it's a case, and I'm not I'm not that scientific, um, nor am I into physics and stuff like that. But aerodynamic and all that, mate. When you're three people wide, when you're three people wide, and you're hanging over the bike. <laughs> you know, it's like a cardboard box that's been flattened, mate, on a bike. <laughs> like it ain't going, it ain't going. So you ask, mate. You, but genuinely, now you're looking more. I'm trying to think of a shape that you look like. You're looking more, not like a pear, you're looking more like a melon, I'd say. So, yes, yes. Yeah, so hold on, a melon's round. A melon's rounder than a, than a pear, so it's probably worse. That, that's bigger, Jim, that's bigger. Aubergine. You're looking like a uh, stash, an aubergine. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll yeah, do. fine. Thanks, James. You're Thanks, welcome. James. It's a vegetable, mate, so it's healthy. Well, it's uh, just two more sleeps until the Premiership's back. Uh, Glenn Smith wants to know, he tweeted in, uh, wants to know who's had the best lockdown, Goody. Do you, um, who do you think is going to benefit the most from the squad changes and, and um, the break during the time since the Premiership season was paused? Um, yeah, the headline one, two clubs really, the two, the two headline clubs are probably, for me, Bristol, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, anyone or any team that's got Sammy Randrander in it, um, is going to be way better than they were without him. So he, he's a world, world star. Um, so all eyes are going to be on Bristol. 
and then obviously Sale as well. Sale were in a great spot pre-lockdown. Um, they're actually one of the first clubs to get everyone signed up, and we spoke about it at the back end of last season, uh, as in season four of, of the podcast, that they got everyone signed up to extended contracts with reduced um, salary to, to keep the club afloat, and we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit. But obviously the big news that Manu's gone there, um, you know, and if he can be as devastating for Sale as he is for England at times, they're going to be you know a massive team over the the coming 18 months but there's plenty to talk about about that deal as well so I'd say best lockdown from pre where your squad was to where it is now has got to be Bristol yeah I agree with Goody as well um, and they've got an unbelievable training facility and Pat oh. Lamb's an absolute legend he's been on the podcast as well but look if we do go back slightly and again I've not really thought too much about rugby we've watched the Arte Roa uh, Championship in New Zealand which Algood was at by the way of course it was um, but rugby was in a right mess, wasn't it? Now, we're obviously all happy that the season's back up and running uh, this weekend, which is class. It seems that a few things have kind of been sorted out around players' salaries. I don't know whether it's all completely done. I'm aware that it's not. There's still stuff going on behind the scenes. Again, all rumours, so we don't want to talk too much about that until it's probably confirmed. But rugby in England, as it were, is in a little bit of a state still. Like We can't hide away from that's the facts of it, right? And that's no one's fault. It's all to do with the situation we found ourselves in in recent months. But we do want to draw out the positives. And I think Goody's mentioned to, uh, mentioned it there. Sale look amazing. I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Bristol mentioned the training facility. Uh, Leicester with Borthwick now. They've made a load of changes in the background. But their squad came out. I saw the release of their squad. You know, these clubs are finalising their squads. I can't see what Leicester are going to do. But anyway, Borthwick seems like he's making a huge difference from what I'm hearing. And then Gloucester's, obviously the other one, loads of changes. And obviously that was headline news just before we ended season four. A few different revelations, rumours were coming out. But man, you know, they've made some big changes. They've made some good changes for the better as well. But look, I think we're all happy that we're at a stage now that the, the season up and running. We had Darren Childs on, uh, we had Hoppers on uh, in season four talking about what ifs and what's going to happen. We're starting back up and uh, Bristol's and Sale, along with Exeter, Northampton, they look in decent shape from what I've seen. Oh, and Sean O'Brien's arms look very big for London Irish as well. Jeez, they do, don't they? He hasn't ever skipped arm day, has he? But yeah, I mean, looking at it, the, the big positive, I suppose, for everyone, and we talked about this at the back end of the season, is we've now got to a point where rugby's starting again. And as it currently stands, there were rumours and there were worries that a club, a premiership professional club, could go bust. So we've got this far, and Tony Rowe talked about it, they're losing a million quid a month, I think it is, uh, extra Chiefs. And, you know, at the minute, those clubs are still just about, some of them holding on by the skin of their teeth, and they had to make drastic changes. Look at Leicester, for example. Um, you know, the way they handled everything, and they had to because they're a PLC that you know, has to report to shareholders and ultimately you go into what Tony Rose said and if that carries on post, you know, January 2021, the clubs could go to the wall. So it's an ongoing thing, of course it is. Um, we're delighted to see rugby coming back on the on our TVs this weekend. We're delighted that all the clubs have managed to navigate their way through the whole COVID issue uh, and coming out of lockdown, getting back into training, getting ready to play uh, top class games again, even though the stadiums are, you know, not going to have any any fans in. Um, but they've all played these kind of trial games at club level as well, haven't they, uh, over the last week or so. So it looks like they're in a good position. Next stage, obviously, as Tony Rowe said, is to get bombs on seats so that clubs can continue to 
um, you know, stay alive and not go to, to the wall. Jim, you touched on Gloucester before. What did you make of George Skivington's appointment? I was surprised, uh, to be honest with you. And that's no disrespect to George. For everything that I heard about George and people that you speak to in the game, a fantastic young coach. But the kind of more the weeks have gone on, I can kind of see why Gloucester have gone down that route. You know, you've got a young English coach, coaches the forwards. Um, there was loads of big changes, obviously, going on behind the scenes. I imagine Alex King was probably spoken about. He was in the wings, potentially, to come in, and that they kind of knew that because of the experience that he brings in. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised. But now that I'm thinking about it and watching how the premiership and how rugby's unfolding, it's a smart move by Gloucester because if they don't do well they're in the building phase, aren't they? And George can be learning kind of in that role. And when finances open back up, potentially down the line, they can potentially bring in a director of rugby ahead of him. And he can carry on as a young English coach, coaching the forwards with Alex King, Trevor Woodman as well, um, Timmy Taylor, who's involved. The big surprise that they didn't keep Rory Teague because that's ultimately, let's not beat around the bush and talk about something that was uncomfortable before everyone thought he was in line to get the head coach role. So that's a massive call for them to get rid of him, especially after everything that we heard, the stuff that we spoke about, the the headline stuff as well. Gloucester have made some big, big decisions and they've gone and there's been a complete wipeout of the top. And seemingly what we're obviously speaking about here is George Skivington wants his own people. I think he worked with Alex King at Wasps potentially. Um, and you need that. You need you need that going into a team. You need that kind of trust element, as it were. And they're building. You know, it'll be interesting to see how Cipriani plays this season for them. They've got some fantastic players. But I, I don't know. I just don't know where Gloucester are going to go. I think a mid-table team at best, you know, what's their ambition? Top six as most clubs. I think picking up on that, you look at a few things. So... Obviously, you know, we said them on and predicted them a little bit on the podcast, how we had a bit of inside knowledge. Obviously, Johan Ackerman uh, departs and, you know, a bit of that was what we spoke about with players potentially undermining him and going to the CEO, which, we, you know, we spoke about all these things on uh, at back end of season four and, and lo and behold, they all came to fruition. Then I said that that wouldn't be the last change that happens there. A couple of weeks later... David Humphreys, who was supposed to be leading the charge to get a new coach, he leaves because his job became untenable as well. And ultimately, with that, the flow of events um, happen. And I know that obviously David Humphreys was very well paid. He's got a very good payout, and rightly so, because he was in contract. And that's one of the decisions they've made. And, you know, in getting George Skivington, you look at the coaching squad now. And you can probably say there isn't a massive amount of experience, top-level experience, except for Alex King. Um, so these guys wouldn't have been expensive, and that is a, a brutal fact of, of where we're at with COVID. So they know they've had to pay off David Humphreys. Um, they've gone and looked within young English talent that could have huge potential as coaches. George Skivington on the list. There's also a legal battle now going on with London Irish around um, the release of George because he was under contract. I wish George Skivington the best. He's a quality bloke. Um, you know, he's a really good guy. And, and from from the people that you speak to, he's like a a lesser experienced kind of Steve Borthwick when it comes to detail, when it comes to how he wants to play the game and that understanding, especially of forward play, which is imperative in the premiership. And, you know, line-out noises generally make decent coaches, Borthwick being a great example. So, you know, you then factor in Alex King. I know Kingy really well. I, From what I've heard, he's a really good coach. He's got a great sort of attitude to attack. The one that came out the blue completely was Don Waldock. 
um, who, you know, Dom's a great guy as well. He was coaching, sort of player coach of backs defence at Newcastle. So a kind of role that's under a defensive coach. You're just coaching the back set piece defence, I think it was. So he hasn't got a massive amount of experience, but hey, guess what? He's best mates with Danny Cipriani, who we know pulls a few strings at that club because he gets on well with Lance Bradley and Lance Bradley listens to him. Uh, the one big thing that Jim mentioned there about Rory Teague, uh, of, of him departing the club, that actually came out off the back of uh, Martin St. Quentin, the owner and the board, looking into actually what's happened here. What has happened? Why has it happened? And it all came true that actually uh, Rory Teague was trying to push himself into the role and, and uh, wanting to be head coach and, and did it in a way that was a bit cloak and dagger. Um, so then... I think George Gibbonson said, actually, I don't want that sort of person in my team. Whether these are actual things that George said or the feelings that people are getting. And they had to get rid of Rory Teague. So I think, you know, in a in a power position, Rory Teague wanted to position himself to be head coach. That was the way it was looking. Uh, the board and Martin St. Quentin looked into it and actually said, we can't have that because of the way things have happened underhandedly up to this point. And now you're left with a, a decent young English coaching team. There's a bit of Wasps background there with... Um, you know, those guys coming from a very successful era of Wasps back in the day, so understanding what it takes to win. But also, with that, there's a massive amount of inexperience because none of them have been head coaches, none of them have been that lead guy. But that's why it's exciting as well as um, looking at it and going, question marks. Um, and, you know, Jim says mid-table, they've lost a lot of quality within the squad as well. I know Murray's signed till the end of the Premiership season, um, but, you know, you've lost Moster. Um, there's a few other guys that Tom Marshall well, so yeah Marshall's gone as well he was so, quality but have, as well but they have got burp, 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 the funky chicken gone back in there uh, Johnny May so th- listen there's exciting times for every club and you speak to a few people around the game and I've spoken to a few head coaches I've spoken to a few people within pretty high up jobs at, at rugby clubs around the premiership and they all say the same thing they all say everyone is training well everyone's excited everyone thinks they're going to be a great team until the first ball is kicked um, so you know there's a lot of excitement building and buzzing around every club and, and the return and expectations that actually this year anyone could put a run of games together and have a charge at the title obviously except for Saracens uh, because of what's gone on before and that's what's so exciting and every club is looking forward to getting back for that reason the big thing is Manu and he's the headline obviously going to sound naturally with his name how weird is it now seeing Leicester without a Tuolangi and I, I just I know their arm's been forced slightly because of everything that's happened but everything you heard it was kind of a sour note which is a real shame because Leicester and the Tuolangis have gone hand in hand for what is it going to be 20 years yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah do you know what I mean so that's a real shame but from a sale perspective with the players they've got uh, Lou Diego as well in the second row they're going to be quality. Well, the, the beauty of Manu for Sale is they got him cheaply as well. So Sale came into the into the picture very late on for uh, for Manu. Obviously, things developed at Leicester, and you know Manu didn't think that actually Leicester would want to cut him by twenty five percent, and it was a bit of a game of chicken. Leicester stayed strong and and said, "Listen, this is the same for every cl- player at this club." Uh, Ellis Gens resigned. George Ford resigned. These all, these guys all took twenty five percent pay cuts, and what Leicester offered Manu to Alangi on paper and an extension was way more than he's on at sale. So it's an interesting kind of take on it. He, you know, there were reports that he went back to Leicester and said, listen, please, you know, can we, can we sort this out after the deadline? And Leicester said, no, you know, we've worked out the value to us that you've given us over, I think he averaged 11 games a year over his career there. And he's a brilliant player, Manu, but ultimately when you have to look at things as a business and you have to take a stance and he didn't agree the, the pay cut that all the other players did that have stayed, 
then he has to look elsewhere. And, and Sale have got a really good deal, I believe. A, to keep him in the Premiership because he was desperate to do that to stay and play for England. B, they've got him on a really cheap deal compared to what he was offered. And it's comfortably, I'm going to say it's around 50% less at sale than what he would have earned having taken a pay kit at Leicester so a big financial decision Wowzers mate you could be Greg Bateman as well mate you leave Leicester this is what this is obviously hearsay I'm just throwing it out there and then you end up at Newport Gwent Dragons for half your salary that you were probably getting paid at Leicester <laughs> I mean yeah, it's tough yeah. isn't it mate it is tough it is tough and you know that's the risk that I suppose these lads took you know we can't understand what they've gone through because we're not in their position Goody. do you know what I mean but all I'm thinking Leicester or Newport Gwent Dragons I mean much of a muchness really isn't it well we can find out a bit more about how the move came about and how Manu's settling in now because sale owner Simon Orange joins us how are you mate I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, good to have you on, mate. Uh, it looks sunny up in Manchester, which is a bit of a change because uh, every time I go there, it's it's raining. We've had some great weather during the uh, lockdown. It's been it's been very pleasant. Started barbecuing and everything. Lovely, so you've had a bit of sunshine. Anyway, um, let's have a chat. Now, I a... don't sound like that, Goody. <laughs> no, that was, I think that was more Dean Schofield. That's what yeah. I'm used to, or Mark Quato, but there we go. Um, so how's it been for you over lockdown uh, as a club owner over the past few months? I know there's been loads of stuff at, around the press about clubs losing money hand over fist. You're the owner of Sale Sharks, and um, you know potentially people look at owners to fill a void of cash. Um, how's it been for you and the challenges that coronavirus have posed for everyone I suppose yeah it's been tough to be honest probably no tougher than it is for everyone else um I think a lot of people are in the same boat aren't they uh, our main business has has found it tough with we've got we have lots of businesses uh, I seem to have been looking at cash flows for the last three months just making sure everything's all right uh, and obviously rugby is really difficult because we've got what have you got eight nine hundred grand a month going out or whatever it is and uh, zero coming in it uh it is tough. We we, um, we invested the CVC money, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll be cashing that in over the next year or two, and and hopefully that'll uh, that'll cover us. Try and save uh, me and Jed putting our hands in our pockets too much, but uh, yeah, same same boat as everyone else. Really, it's not been easy, but you just got to get on with it, haven't you? Of course, yeah. Uh, so I'm talking about lockdown, and we we have to be worried when we say that word. I don't know if your brother told you, but I saw him in a coffee shop. In Stow on the Wold, in the Cotswolds, I was talking to him. I think he knew me. Did he tell you that I saw him or not? Did he mention it or not? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, yeah. He got on the phone straight away to let me know. <laughs> on the phone, he was he was well excited, mate. Of course, mate. Well, you know what? He he was wearing these Birkenstock clogs, right? Um, at the coffee shop and I actually thought to myself they look cool as anything so look what I went and did <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I went and got myself a pair with his beard Jim you've got a look of him have you, have you ever been in a band well funny you say that yeah I was in the Mumford and Sons for a night in Dublin but that's a story for another day um, <laughs> but as a club owner and watching the history of sale, I mean, me and I played in the final when, when they won in 2006, scored a try. I don't know if you knew that as well. Anyway. I know you did. Yeah, you did at the end, didn't you? Of course. Yeah, I did at the old pick and go. Um, but look, you know, it's been a tough journey for sale. Rugby in the North as a whole with Yorkshire Carnegie. There's been a bit of investment now. You can see that from afar. You can see with the performances. Um, you can see with the culture that's been built. As a club owner, how excited are you now? Not just as a club owner of rugby, but for the kind of, you know, you're representing the, the, the north, as it were, of England. Yeah. Um, well, don't forget this, this Seymour in Newcastle. But uh, yeah, we're certainly representing the northwest. Uh, we've got a big pool of talent. We, we always have had. We've always produced uh, 
lots of lots of great rugby players and and in the past wealthier clubs have have taken them from us and, and players have gone for more money and better opportunity and, and you can't really blame them for that so that was one of the first things I wanted to stop w- when we took over uh, and and to a great extent we have done so we're um, we've invested heavily in the academy and and uh, with a bit of luck we'll, we'll we'll be able to keep most of them as we go forward so yeah it is um it has been I've been a, a fan of for sale for 25 years or something and other than a very brief time when we when uh, we had Philip Saint Andre and all the uh, all the French geezers in it, it's it's been a tough road so it's been good to uh, make a long term investment and 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 help the club I was going to say help the club you love I wouldn't even say I loved sale before I, I, I was just a fan um, if we lost on a on a Friday or a Saturday it'd ruin that day. Uh, now, of course, being the owner, it ruins your week and it ruins your life. So it's uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit more of an investment, but uh, yeah, it's it's certainly enjoyable. I'd say it's the best and the worst thing I've ever done. Let's talk about the club then, because obviously you were the first club to announce the getting everyone sort of cut on a twenty five percent reduction and to have them signed up in, uh, over the longer term with all the changes around the salary cap. How difficult was that, um, and how much was it Dimes flexing his muscles and saying you will fucking sign this or you'll be out on your ear? <laughs> No, uh, he, he doesn't deserve his reputation some of the time. I mean, some he does, to be fair. Uh, no, it was we had a lot of difficult conversations. Um, Steve and I both met with the squad three or four times, um, and we went through everything with them. We told them the whole situation. We then had individual meetings with the players, and, and we were just explaining the, 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 the business facts of life. Uh, they're a good set of lads. They realised we wanted to keep our squad together, which was what was was our requirement going into the discussions, um, and and so they've all agreed it. It was it was a bit disappointed to be honest to find out the RPA had been giving advice out saying not to take any pay cuts, um, and particularly Gawling, considering they'd all taken pay cuts as well as the all the RFU and as well as Premier Rugby and almost everybody in the world. But to be fair, our lads figured it out themselves no one had an arm behind the back at all and I was in every meeting so I know uh, <laughs> so, so no they've, they've, they've accepted it as have the coaches as have the commercial staff um, so it's just when things get tough if you've got if you're with the right people and you're surrounded by the right people they all they all wade in don't they but you mentioned the RPA there I know it's uncharted territory we've obviously never seen this situation ever and hopefully we'll never see it again but how has that all been managed I mean clearly at sale it's been managed well because there's no rumours come out you know we've not spoken about anything because things have all been done in-house which is as a club owner I'm sure that's exactly how you want to see it but how has the process been managed I know other sports have been good they've been bad whatever we see in Australia it's been obviously a free-for-all but in terms of the premiership and, you know, premiership rugby, you mentioned the RPA there, everything that goes around it, how has it been managed as a business owner, I suppose? Well, at, 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 the, at the club level, at premiership level, we, we did have discussions with the RPA and we were talking about possibly doing something across the board, like a collective agreement. But but really, it's, that's not going to work. So players, players are in different positions. Clubs are in different positions. Contracts are at different stages. So, um, for, for instance, our academy lads um, have, have all had rises because you, you can't cut someone who's earning 10 grand a year or whatever. So, so, so they've had rises. 
and our, our medium and, and uh, bigger players have, have all taken drops, as have the management, and, and we've we've done it in that way. So the biggest drop in our club has been Steve Diamond, and the and the smallest drops have been the, the lowest earners. So as a, as a club, we've just tried to do it fairly and in collaboration. So if somebody's if somebody can't afford the mortgage or would have to go and get a part-time job as well as doing what they do, then we'll work with them and we'll, we'll figure it out. We, 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 we're not, we don't want to put anyone on, on, on um, going to food banks or anything. So, so individually, I think the clubs have to deal with it. I think some probably dealt with it better than others. I, mean, I can't really speak for other clubs, but, but as a whole, I, th- I think most people have got through it pretty well. And it's just it's not great for the players. Um, I, I know Goody said a, a couple of podcasts ago, we're paying, we're losing 50 million quid a year and we're paying 100 million quid in wages. We've just got the owner. It's not the player's fault that they've got to earn what they can earn, but the owners and the DORs have just got a bit carried away competing with each other and it's not sustainable. And uh, COVID has brought it into stark reality and, and hopefully it'll be the impetus we need to fix it. And that is one of the things that you said before, obviously, you know, talking about the salary cap and, you know, COVID has brought this into stark reality. But even without COVID, those issues were there massively, weren't they? And you yourself said it would it was easy previously to cheat the salary cap. Lord Miner's review has come in and, and the clubs have signed up to it. How important is that for the longevity of the game, especially for a club like yourselves who are planning potentially this new stadium as well in the future? Yeah, I think it's massive, Andy. Yeah. The, the, the secret to the Premier League, I think, is to make it competitive and if you've got all the teams spending around about the same money it's going to end up being competitive isn't it and and more exciting and that's what it's got to be to grow Um, it was easy to cheat the cap I think clubs have been doing it for years on and off at different stages uh, and and it really needed sorting out the Saracen saga gave us the impetus to sort it out and and the miners report I think it came up with 52 or 53 recommendations can't remember what they were and some of them, to be honest, probably over the top. But um, he did say it wasn't a menu. He, he, he did recommend that we take them all on board. And that was the way we'd sort it out. And it needed sorting out. So we've, we've voted it through unanimously. And uh, with a bit of luck, uh, that's, that's stopped. And we, uh, we can get on with having a, a good and fair league. Absolutely. I think that's what we all want. And we, we've all spoken about it. I know me and Goody were split when we spoke about the sal- uh, Saracens and the salary cap thing. Uh, but look, right decision has been made and that's all come out. But now it comes to the point where, and you're going to be feeling it, fingers pointing at Sale, pointing at Bristol because of the quality of players that you've brought in. Um, let's talk a little bit about that because there's going to be pressure now, isn't there? And obviously Steve was very outspoken around the Saracens salary cap thing and rightly so. You know, he's been grafting at the helm, as you have a lot of hard money going in. You, and, and, you know, you're pissing uphill, as the famous saying goes. Yeah. Um, so, like, how is it for you now with that pressure? Because, you know, you signed Manu, and we know a little bit around the Manu deal that he probably wasn't quite as expensive as people thought. You've brought in uh, Lou Diego, who's one of the best locks in the world. Are you feeling any pressure that you feel you have to justify every signing and every kind of squad you put together? Salary cap pressure, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 not at all. We had a strategy that, that we... When I took over, Steve ran a small squad and he was spending... It was 50 60%, I think, of, of, of everybody else or of the average. So we had fewer players um, and probably lesser quality, if, if, if that's the right word. Uh, so we, we came up with a strategy that w- within the cap, if we kept it to 
only 32 players because he's always looked after them well. We've had the lowest injury rate, I think, in the league every year for, for as far as, as as far as we can remember. So if you can look after them, you don't need 45 players. So we decided we'd have 32 players and let's say we spent eight and a half million. Let's say that was what you could get, what you could spend with injury dispensation and marquee players and everything else and, and the academy. Um, if you spend an eight and a half million on 32 players rather than eight and a half million on 45 players, you're going to get better players, aren't you? And that's what we've got, I think. I think our 32 players can compete against almost any 32 squad in the world. The difference is if we took 20 injuries, like say Bath have done in the past, then we'd, we'd, be, we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot and we've been in a bit of trouble. So I don't know what the sums are. Let, let's say the average wage is 200 grand in the premiership. Our, our average at sale might be 250, let's say, because we've got better players, but we've only got 32 of them. So our books are open to the, to the salary cap manager. We go through it all the time with him. And we've no secret deals or anything like that. So I'm absolutely no pressure on the salary cap. And in fact, I'm delighted everybody thinks we are breaking the cap because we must be doing something right with the squad, if that's the case. Definitely. I think you just lost Jim. You, you spoke about numbers then and quite big numbers as well. So he, <laughs> I saw a he bit of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> he got a bit confused when you were talking averages and things like that. So there we go. But let's talk. One, one thing he did mention in, in his question was a bit about pressure, which there's clearly from your perspective, no pressure around the salary cap. But what there is now perhaps is uh, a bit of pressure around the signing of Manu Tuolangi, the fact that Sale were on a unbelievable run of form pre-lockdown um, and I think yourself you said uh, the plan was to sign Manu win the league and fill the stadium so it's a brilliant quote and I love it um, you know I love a bit of northern confidence as well having been or oh, still am good mates with Scurry and uh, and Mark Cueto they rate themselves massively highly so <laughs> tell me about the pressure how's Manu settled in as well yeah uh, well Manu settled in really really well uh, apparently he's been magnificent in training uh, unfortunately, the quote you liked, I don't think I actually said it. I think that was more an editor's Oh, come on, headline. just claim it. <laughs> no, I, well, yeah, more of an editor's headline. Uh, luckily enough, the pressure isn't on me. That's on Diamond. It, that's, it's, his job. <laughs> it's his job to deliver, uh, not mine. Uh, so, yeah, there, there, is, there is pressure. There's more expectation. But we're not we've, – we've got a long-term plan. We're not, we're not trying to win it headlong this season and, and then – collapse like we did in 2006 don't get me wrong I would like to win it this season and next season and every season but as long as we're competing in the t- regularly in the top four and in Europe uh, most of the time I think we'll be happy for now when, when we've done it for as long as Exeter and Saracens that then I'll then I'll probably expect uh, trophies so yeah there's expectation um, but I wouldn't have said pressure yet because we're um, it's the first season we've been up to the gap uh, we started off slowly, but but we've we got into our groove, and hopefully we can stay in our groove and carry on. But uh, time will tell. Yeah, of course. And you mentioned, uh, well, Gooley mentioned that the run of form that you're on before uh, the situation that we found ourselves in now. There's obviously a lot of games. You mentioned potentially a smaller squad than a lot of teams out there. Yeah. As, as a club owner, you know we've not spoken to anyone since the fixtures have been released. A lot of pressure on the squad, right? Obviously, everyone wants to get out there, but there's going to be a point where the momentum gathers. You're into two games a week and all everything that comes with that. Yeah. Um, what do you think about all that? Are you glad just the fact the season's going to get finished and there'll be a bit of TV revenue off the back of that? 
or is that spoken about in-house actually how you manage you know play like Manu who, who naturally doesn't play many games because of the way that he plays who could um, is that spoken about how you're going to manage the squad during that time yeah it is um, and Steve's good at it lots of coaches are good at it and, and the um, it's going to be really important for every club to, to manage the squad we, we've got 32 senior players but we've got 10 10 possibly 12 uh, young lads coming through and and as you know at Sale we've never been afraid to use them we've never been afraid to stick 18 year olds in and I think that'll that they'll all get the chance over the next 12 months we're looking at this as a 12 month congested period now rather than two different seasons um, and we'll just be doing a lot of rotation and, and making sure our lads stay fit. One of the strengths we've got is I think we've got, effectively, we've got two top class people in every position. And it's almost, we haven't got, we've not got a first 15. We've got two first 15s and they're inter, they're inter, they can intermingle. So yeah, we'll just have to have a lot of rotation. And as I say, the academy lads will, will be getting lots of game time. And uh, hopefully we'll, a few stars will come through there as well. We certainly hope so. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be really interesting to see how every squad copes with it. But one of the things from off the field then, which is where your major part of the club is, um, in terms of getting fans back in the stadiums, how do you think the government's handled that? And I know Tony Rose came out this week and said they're losing a million quid a month uh, without having fans in stadiums. How imperative is that to try and get it back as quickly as possible to stop you from having to completely put your hand in your pocket and fill that void? Yeah, it's, it's imperative. Tony's right. The fact that you can allow people in pubs and restaurants and not let them into an open-air stadium just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And to be fair, a lot of things the government have said have not made a lot of sense. I think they're a bit rabbit in headlights at the minute and they've got some strange decisions coming on. But in terms of rugby, yeah, we need them in as soon as we possibly can, even if it's 20%, 30% capacity um, until the threat of coronas died down a bit. That that would be helpful. But... Uh, He's right. If we don't get fans in, one or two clubs will be in severe trouble and, and could go down. But again, I suppose that's only the same as business and real life, isn't it? It's it's um, it, it's 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 not been a pleasant experience. It's been a it's been a, a, a once in a lifetime, hopefully, problem. And uh, everybody's got to get through it as best they can. But yeah, we could do with a bit of help from the government and getting crowds in as soon as possible would be a massive uh, a massive positive for us. Um, you had an international rugby player in your ranks earlier in the season that departed and went down to Harlequins. How much are you looking forward to this weekend's game with Ashy pulling on the Harlequins jersey? I can see a smile on your face now. What happened? The Sale boys will be up for that one. What did happen? Go on, fill I, us I in. I was going to ask you, that was going to be my final question, just the headline. What, what happened to it? Mate, he's gone home. He's left Toulon, big money, so he can go, come home up north, and now he's gone back down south. Ashy, yeah, I like Ashy a lot. He's, um, he's, an, he's an awkward bastard. Yeah, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. But but I think there's probably only room for one awkward bastard in a club, and we've we've already we've already got ours. Is the is the DOR? Uh, so if there was um, if there was ever going to be a difference of opinion, there was only ever going to be one winner, and it was just decided it was better for everyone uh, if if uh, Ashley went. So the fact that he played us in the first game is. Um, It'll be interesting for him, won't it? But uh, I'll tell you what, he won't shirk it, will he, Ashy? He'll be, uh, he'll be well up for it. He will be. If only he could tackle, bless him. I'm going to mess around. I'm good mates <laughs> with him. But I just found it weird. I, I found the whole situation weird because I know you guys uh, went over and, over and beyond to get him to sail. It seemed like it would fit. The fact that there was a, a conflict of interest in terms of you know the way the game was played, you guys were flying. Yeah, you no, know, listen, we could have battled on, but it was just decided. It was um, just for... 
basically club and squad unity. It was it was the best thing all around, and uh, we wish, I wish him luck. Not not on Friday, but for the rest. Of the <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, it'd be interesting actually to see how he comes out of that because he did tell me. I think he said Nigel Ray was buying him a row of houses in Wigan or something, <laughs> but then he moved down to Harlequins. <laughs> we'll leave that. Um, last question then from me: um, Who is the current? Official Steve Diamond dog walker because I know he's had he's got a new dog in there over the last year or so. He has got he has got a new dog, yeah. How much do you pay Mark Quato to walk his dog for him every day? Well, mate, it's an absolute fortune. And do you know what? It's not he's, even job shares. He doesn't even do it full time. He, he oh, <laughs> shares it with Angie. Pete Anglesey does it as well, and uh, Hugh Jenner, the analyst. So uh, yeah, we pay an absolute fortune out uh, for him, for him to, to walk his dog. Uh, no, Quates is. Uh, Quakes is a good lad. He's very expensive, but he's got 55 caps as he keeps telling me all the time. So, and, and an MBE. So apparently that, that, uh, <laughs> that puts him in the upper echelons of uh, earners. Yeah, he's doing a good job for you boys on the commercial side as well. Isn't he? he is doing a good job. Fair play to him. And uh, he's done really well during lockdown. Him and Adam Beacock, the, the uh, two commercial guys, have brought in. Uh, in fact, believe it or not, I think we might have the record year for commercial sponsorships. Uh, this this coming year from the work they've done. So, uh, yeah, I suppose he earns his money. And I, I bet he's after a, a huge commission on that as well, isn't he, knowing Quates? Definitely gets a commission. He's not behind the door, is he? Nah, tighter than cramp, that kid. Mate, talk to, <laughs> hey, to, hey, to, anyway, so I'm talking about commission and revenue. Um, take that. I'm hearing rumours that Robbie's coming back into the fold. They're all gelling back together. Um, I don't know too much about it. Me and Jace didn't go too much into detail about work and stuff like that. It was all about coffee and clogs. Have you got any inside knowledge on the kind of take that situation? I've got no inside knowledge. Why don't you, st- why don't you stick to trying to figure out riddles instead of getting involved in coffee? <laughs> I've got a soft spot for take thing. that. Matt, I love take that. Take that and Backstreet Boys, mate. They were me ones. All right, Simon. Thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. And best of luck, uh, restarting the season uh, after the COVID debacle. Thanks, lads. Good to talk to you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Simon. Class, mate. Thanks, buddy. See you, lads. Bye. Top bloke. Good bloke. What a bloke. Top bloke. What a lad. Northerner, mate. Northerner. Yeah, I've um, I know him through Mark Quaito. Obviously, he's a good mate of mine, and I met him a few times. Yeah, just really honest, mate, isn't he? And you can see from that interview, he does everything with a smile on his face. He has a laugh. He you know, he came down to Wasps actually and enjoyed the Andy Good sweep a little bit too much. Um, yeah, mate, he's a brilliant bloke, brilliant owner, honest as they come, and has got some great plans for sale with the new ground and everything and just enjoy his honesty boy mate you're exactly honesty is the one he said the first thing he said that jason knew me rang him straight away so <laughs> yeah straight away yeah honest mate these clogs mate i tell you what if anyone's ever wore birkenstock clogs they take a while to break in my goodness mate my goodness <laughs> my feet are in pieces but his brother looked good he looks good and sale look in a good place See, what i've done now i've just hit it with three goods yeah, uh, yeah, or yeah. goods or yeah. however you want to look at it but mate hey spoke really highly of ashy didn't he <laughs> <laughs> my good, my goodness me, yeah. my goodness me! What did he say? Oh. Awkward bastard. Yeah, he did I'll, say I'll, that. I'll mate, that, that that's uh, that's one thing. But I tell you what is quite interesting because again, we talk about the salary cap thing or whatever, and as much as he might not be aware of it, we know that people are going to be saying how have Sale afforded him, you know, how have Bristol afforded him. But you know, like the momentum's gathering around that because naturally people want to point fingers and it makes headline news it was actually really interesting I, I wasn't aware I've not seen 
Sale's full squad, but he says they're going in, you know, relatively thin. When we were at Leicester back in the day, mate, we had a squad of fifty. Do you know what I mean? And all of us yeah. were all of us were Lions quality. Do you know what I mean? We were all like World Cup winning quality, and you, it, you was much, it was much of a muchness, mate. Hey, is that, mate, you had Martin Johnson, Ben Kay, you had Jim Hamilton, and Tom Ryder, mate. It, it was much of a muchness. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's interesting that they could be thin on the ground. Hence, why I asked about the games and the situation they find themselves in. But I'm not just saying it because we've had him on. Mate, I've always loved Sale. They are flying the northern flag for rugby. Obviously, rugby league country. Man United, Man City, Blue Moon, Blue Moon. I don't know the rest of the words, but you're a Man City fan now, are you? Well, I could be, mate. Well, no, because they didn't win it, mate. And Liverpool, mate. But they're, which is up north as well. I think I think they're all Reds. Are they? They're all, yeah, they're all United fans, mate. I'm a United fan as well. Uh, when Cantona was there, but mate, how good was it to have him on? Brilliant. And you, you did lose. You did lose a bit of knowledge there with it when he started talking numbers and squad averages. And you know why? My maths mate, teacher was terrible. All I could think about was these clogs cost me 90 quid. And genuinely, <laughs> I swear, I swear on my life, if, I, if I'm lying, lock me down for another six months. The, his brother had them on and I thought, geez, they look good with socks. So I went out and bought myself a pair, but my feet, they're in pieces, mate. They're like wearing horseshoes. Do, do horses wear shoes? Yeah, they do. Oh, no, they well, do, yeah. I imagine this how horses feel in shoes. Yeah, horseshoe. Well, Goody, you spoke about Sharks, Edge and Mark Quado. You called up with them, didn't you, for our Superfan subscription service? I certainly did, yeah. Well, let's have a listen to some of that now. Um, so your debut was the autumn 2004. You end up getting picked on the 2005 Lions Tour. Yeah. Just tell us about how the, the selection happened. I know Clive Woodward was the head coach then. He yeah. he didn't pick you for England, but he picks you for a Lions Tour. He yeah, sent out emails to people. And it, it was a, we might come on to the tour as, itself, but how was the selection process for you? Um, it was funny, really. And, and again, this is my sort of part of my after-dinner speech in that you know, I, I score all these tries for sale and they don't get picked for England. And then eventually he moves on from England and I get into England and I score all these try for, tries for England. And then suddenly my first Lions tour and who's the fucking coach, Clive Woodward. <laughs> like you said, I think I think uh, that build up to 05, I'd scored 11 in 10 for England or something. I'd score more tries than games for, yeah. for England. Uh, Clive's their coach and, and, I, and I don't get picked initially. Obviously, when it's a Lions year, if you're playing international rugby, everybody, everybody, so the 35 squad from England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales get get the information. You get all the the letter about, you know, you're in the you're in the mix. These are the dates, you know, you know how it works. But you don't you don't you know you don't hear anything and, and I'll never forget we were um, we were training. It was under Philippe Saint Andre and we'd just come off the training field and um, everyone was going in into the clubhouse to um, to have lunch. Bill Beaumont was going to be announcing it live on Sky Sports, and uh, I couldn't sit. I couldn't sit there. Me, I just I don't know if I had a gut instinct or what, but I was like, I can't. I don't want to sit in the clubhouse with the lads and, and watch this. I want to go home. And Wig- Richard Wigglesworth was at sale at the time, and he said, "Right, this this squad's going to be announced at half twelve. I've got a tee booked on the golf course at half one." Yeah. And he says, "Are you going to come down?" And I says, "Well, if I'm in." There's there. probably, there's, no, if I'm in, there's no chance because oh, I'll yeah. be on the phone and I'll be doing yeah. whatever. Da, 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 da. I said, but if I'm not in, I'll see it. I'll see it half one on the fucking team. <laughs> <laughs> and so I turn up at half one on the. <laughs> so we ended up winning the Challenge Cup again that year, and it was as we walk off the field for Challenge Cup, we played it at the old Kazam Stadium. Yeah, Oxford, wasn't it? In Oxford, yeah, we beat. Um, 
Ponty Preed in the final. It was, it was a tough game, to be fair, but we beat him. And it was as, as I was coming off, um, and he fucking cost me a night out that night. <laughs> so as we were coming off the field, I get the phone call to say, Bolsh has gone down, you're in. And then again, obviously, it was a bit of a tour from hell, but you, you look back and, you know, I think we can talk about the way it was ran and, or how badly it was ran and the two teams were separate, you know, on, on separate regimes. I think, I think that's my biggest disappointment, really, of, of the whole, you know, as a, as a rugby guy and you sort of listen to all the JPRs and, you know, the Franz and Frank Cottons and people like that and they talk about the Lions being the, the pinnacle. Yeah. For me, for me, it wasn't. There you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that. And a big thanks to everyone who supports us on there. This season, we'll be adding even more things to Patreon, including a couple of questions and answers every month. So we'll answer all your questions on there. It's just a few quid a month and uh, for loads of extra interviews and features, just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod to sign up. It's that time we've all been waiting for now, isn't it, Jim? Your feature's back, or, or should I say peel back, isn't it? Yes, Andy Rowe, I'm back, mate. A lot's happened in the last couple of months. People screaming innuendos. They used to scream mounted wheelie bin, which was a little bit derogatory, but it's fine. I got it because we were lolling and joking on the podcast. Now, people are just screaming, riddle me this, riddle me that. Jim will solve it. And then every all the millions of people are shouting, peel the kids are asking me what peelback means. I'm telling them it's pull back. <laughs> pull back on the banter. That's what it is. But yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm looking forward to it uh, this week. This is my segment. It is your segment, Jim. But I've got a little surprise for you next week as well. Starting from next week, we're going to have a very special guest with a very high IQ to help you through these riddles, talk you through these riddles, give you these riddles, and maybe educate you slightly. So you'll be looking forward to that, won't you, James? Well, I, well, I, well will they solve it? I hope not. Trust me, she knows all the answers. That's all I'll say. Ooh. No, I don't, mate, I don't. Oh, it's a she. Interesting. But anyway, I don't want her to solve it because it's Jim will solve it. Get it? Riddle me this, riddle me that. Jim will solve it again, lads. I've already done it, but I'm going to do it again. Pillback. Got my throat in there, mate. My glands are up like testicles. Don't know why. Hit okay, me. Here we go. I have keys that open no locks and space but no rooms. You can enter, but you can't go outside. What am I? I have keys that open no locks and space but no rooms. You can enter, but you can't go outside. What am I? Right, so you've got keys. We've all got keys that open no locks. Well, what's the point in having a key? Oh, you've got a room. You could have a card, you know, like one of them hotel cards. And space but no rooms. You can enter, but you can't go outside. What am I? Jeez. Oh, Oh, you can hear the... I've missed this. This is what I've missed, actually, the most about the podcast. The pressure that Jim feels now. Reading the riddle, you can just see his brain ticking over exceptionally slowly. I go into like a fog. Yeah. And the heart rate rises and you start sweating profusely. You get a trickle down your leg. Maybe a little bit of wee-wee comes out because you're nervous. Tell us about your thought process. What are you looking at at the moment, Jim? Genuinely, I'm in like a, a blank, a blur. Right, so I'm just trying to think. Well, it's quite ironic. That, it's quite ironic that he's probably looking at um, it not closely enough. I've, I've got keys that open no locks. Maybe he's looking at it very closely. Got it. 
piano. Oh, no, James, no. I thought, the, with the confidence then... Yes. So it's a piano. It's not it's a about piano. the rest of it. How does, how does the piano fit with the second half of it? Well, because the piano's got keys, and the yeah. open, no lock... Well, you can't use a piano to open locks. Yeah, correct. And space, but no rooms. But you Can, can you enter, enter a piano? Well, you can, because you've got that bit that folds up at the back, so I suppose you could. Uh, mate, who's getting in that? Well, one of the twins, <laughs> mate. One of the twins, if they carry on! <laughs> Screaming! <laughs> Time out. Yeah, get the piano. Uh, you can enter, but you can't go outside. Well, you can have a piano outside. I'm sure you can in Greece or Italy or somewhere like that. That's hot. You can have a piano outside. Is it, is it, but it's not, a, is it not a piano? It's not a piano, James. Are you very close, though? A guitar? No? Is it music-related or not? Uh, no. Well, potentially. In, in, a ra- in a roundabout way, it could be, but it's not the technical answer. But the word is involved in music. The word's involved in music? Singing. You, you, Ki- you singing. can create music. Singing. Nope. No, you can go outside and sing. So why did you think it was a piano for a start? Because of keys. Oh. So, what, what do you mean? Oh. Think of a piano. What is another form of a piano, James? That thing with it that goes... <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? That's an, that's an accordion. Accordion. No, it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> what does an accordion have, though? A piano on it. Also known as a... What are you on about? <laughs> Think of another form of a piano, James. This it is the answer, but it's not the answer, if that makes sense. So you have a piano, you have yeah. a grand piano. If you Would you go and buy your kid a piano, or what would you buy them instead? Lads, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, go, I'm sticking with piano. Piano, well, keyboard. Not, well, it's not piano, Jim. Let's just talk through it. A, a what? A keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a keyboard. It's a keyboard. So, right so what was the same as a? It can be a piano as well, can't it? Well, it, no, it's not a piano keyboard. The word keyboard, but in another use. So, what are you using to type on your phone, Jim? Well, it's not. Uh, well, I don't know. It's, I've got this new phone that just that recognises my face. How cool is that? <laughs> anyway, lads, I've just solved it. In my opinion, riddle me this, riddle me that. Jim just solved it. <laughs> back i can't do it my throat's killing don't know why um but i'm looking forward to next week i'm looking forward to next week so that could be my riddle who is it high iq and it's a lady it's a woman yeah interesting doesn't really narrow it it. down though does it well not really no but high iq i mean most women have higher iqs than me Uh, most people do Uh, in general most people do yeah yeah, most people probably the animals do as well let's be honest (laughs) a lot of animals well, we've got a new feature uh, starting next week as well. It's called Weirder Than Weirdfish. Uh, the inspiration, guys, it comes um, behind it comes from the meat and veg golf day that I did with Eaton Manor Rugby Boys a couple of weeks ago. And there was this guy called Kirsch, and he was ripping into me about eating cat food the whole day, which is which is pretty weird. I get it. Um, it was fair. Yeah, fair enough, fair. yeah. It's fair, exactly. But he admitted he once did something pretty weird involving a chicken, which I can't really repeat on here, but it was weirder than weird fish. So you can see where I'm going with this. And I think every team kind of has someone weird that I think we all want to hear their weird stories. So all you have to do if you want to enter your mate or your teammate in that you think is weirder than weird fish is to DM me on Twitter or Instagram uh, at Andy Rowe Online. I'll pick the best one each week read them to Goody and Jim and they'll try and work out if they're true or not and if they're true then your teammate is weirder than weirdfish 
Ah, I get it. The the thing is, I am still struggling to work out what is weirder that is legal. I don't know if eating cat food is legal or illegal. I mean, I'll be telling my kids it's illegal because I don't want them to go down that route of eating cat food. Um, I'm going to struggle to see if someone's done anything worse than being on their hands and knees in their own country, New Zealand, and eating <laughs> cat food with a spoon. <laughs> Or doing it in studio. Do you remember that time he had a mouthful oh. in studio? Was, uh... Oh, mate, I tell you now. Oh. Mate. Here's the thing. And again, I'm not you know, a cat food expert, nor am I a dentist. What cat's mouths have you smelt? You're like, oh, that smells all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've, smelt a lot, I've smelt a lot of cat breaths. I've smelt, I've smelt a lot of cat breath. It's generally what I do. I generally go over to the cat, bring them over, open the mouth, smell the mouth, Cat breath. It just goes hand in hand. Fleas and cat breath. Anyway, yeah, just just send me your stories and we'll read out the best ones each week. Let's get into some news. Um, we've missed rugby, uh, but we're going to have it nonstop for a year now. Do you think player welfare has gone out the window now, lads? Yes. Oh, you do, James. Well, of course it has. They just had six. They just had six months off. Well, that's irrelevant, though, isn't it, mate? You, oh, can, you, you, mate, you yeah, can have three. You can have three years off. You're still coming back in the demands. And again, I've I've been an advocate. Not that anyone's bothered what I think or I can influence anyone to make any different decisions. There's a finance a- aspect to it, which is huge. Obviously, Simon mentioned that. Tony Rose mentioned that. Everyone will mention that. And there's a part of that which, not just in rugby, in life, we need to get moving, blah de blah blah But we've got to do it in a way in which, again, Simon mentioned it, player welfare has got to be at the forefront. I'm telling you now, I could name you a load of players that struggle on a six-day turnaround. Do you know what I mean? And you think of the demands with everything that's obviously goes with the game, the fact that they wouldn't have played for a long time. So how conditioned are you actually going to be to play? Because like Goody, will t- well, maybe he won't tell you because he'd probably just walk straight into the, the team that, that went out week one of the premiership. But, you know, it's a restart of the season effectively, isn't it? You have that, you know, you have a month off. It takes you a couple of games to get back into it. You have as long as they've had off, they've not even been able to train in a, in a team environment till, till recently. You're going to take three or four games to get back to 100%, right? Both in terms of taking contact, recovery, everything that goes with that, and you get dead legs, you pick up these kind of small kind of niggly injuries that you can play with. Who's playing on four-day turnarounds? Mate, there, I, I'll tell you now, there ain't going to be many many that will be able to do that. And, you know, time will tell in terms of the injuries that we could potentially pick up, but what choice do they have? I suppose that's the big question. I think it is the issue, isn't it? And there's a couple of things to look at. And Simon Orange said it. He talked about having a squad that you can rotate and you know the plan for it will be that I'm pretty sure there's there's things in there that no player will start um you know on a four day turnaround. Um you know, clubs have got a responsibility for themselves, first and foremost. If they flog a player, they're not gonna get any value from him. And that's what Simon talked about. You look at the England players, uh, there's a restriction on the amount of games that they can play anyway, and that's written into um the sort of bylaws of the premiership and the the deal with the RFU. Um and that's the same across the board. So, you know, these players you're gonna have to plan so strategically over the next year, effectively, which is what it is, um, on how much they do play. The big one will be, I think, will be Exeter. The way that they play, right? So their forwards being the big thing. So the amount of work that their forwards get through, the way, the style in which they play, the pick and go, the mall, like that's the stuff as a player and it might have changed in the last three years. I've been retired a long time. Um, But for me, that's going to take its toll. 
you know, it is very important that we don't saturate everything, but also we, you know, everyone's getting revenue. And look at England, and we'll come on to it in a minute, I'm sure. The RFU have disbanded with the Sevens program. Um, you know, they're talking about the, the amount of money that they're going to lose. Uh, and Sevens has taken the hit, men's and women's Sevens. So they have to have revenue, but also you can't saturate everything so that there isn't any decent revenue at the end of it. Goody, you mentioned the Sevens team being disbanded, or Sevens program being disbanded by the RFU. What are you guys' thoughts on that? You think it's fair enough? Well, it's brutal, isn't it? You know, let's let's not beat around the bush. Whatever has happened during COVID in any business, Simon Oren said it himself, it's not just rugby, it's across the board in business. Um, you know, there's been cuts, people are losing jobs. Yeah, the RFU have made loads of redundancies. Um, I know the RPA are currently uh, renewing terms with the RFU in terms of England player payments uh, for matches. You know, we, we joke on here and we, we say it pretty openly. It was 25 grand a game. When businesses look at the pandemic and look at what is it going to take to reduce some costs to keep a, a business afloat, where can you cut costs to keep your biggest assets in business? So ultimately, England's biggest or most profitable thing is is the, the, the international team playing at a full Twickenham without a shadow of a doubt. So they then look at ways in the business and it's brutal. I know a few of the Sevens boys, Charlie Hayter, the women's England women's Sevens coach, good mate of mine, Richard de Carpentier, who was, you know, is a Sevens player and a brilliant player, brilliant guy. They're now, they haven't got a job. So it's brutal for everyone. But what they are a few, and if we're looking at it on the basis of a business sense, they're looking at that saying that is a cost that we can do without at the minute, which doesn't help those guys because they haven't got a job and it's horrific. And I, you know, I feel for them massively. But that's why the RFU are making those decisions. You know, what's the value in terms of money in the bank to them? What is the cost of it? Is it washing its face with itself or is it costing us a load of money? If it is, we have to cut it. And that's the way businesses across the world are being ruthless to try and not go to the wall. Um, and it's horrible. You know, I, you know, I'm desperately sad that the sevens isn't there you know we love going out to hong kong and the sevens over uh, uh the weekend over there it's brilliant but for these guys it's their jobs it's their livelihood and you expect and want the england sevens team to be a part of it and especially a year out from the olympics when england were going to be representing team gb um it's a real tough thing for everyone yeah, good. I'm the same as you, mate. Shocking. I'm, I'm sad about it. I don't know many of the Sevens players, um, but again, it's livelihoods and all that. And I get, I mean, this, I actually feel quite depressed when I start delving deeper into what you actually think about everything that's going on. So we just try and stay positive or whatever, because when you do start trying to unravel people's different situations and we've all been affected, you know, Simon mentioned it there, but yeah, you, you got to feel for them. But I think it also highlights potentially the kind of order that you know the RFU being one but you know the SRU the IRFU WRU for example what they value in terms of their business and unfortunately for the sevens guys it's clearly not high up the chain in terms of what they want but also probably more obviously the revenue you know that's ultimately what it's about now is it's about trying to make money to sustain a business a platform to survive let's have a look at some social media questions oh god let's Go on then. Sam Lane has tweeted in. He's asked, well, he said Warren Gatlin hasn't done very well with the Chiefs in New Zealand. So is he definitely still the right man to lead the Lions in South Africa? A lot of heat coming Warren Gatlin's way, isn't there? Mate, there is, mate. And Lane only needs to stay in his lane, get it? Because his name's Lane and you're told to stay in your lane. Uh, Mate, I can can understand, can see why people would question it. It's not all glory. 
Is it? But again, having watched the Aotearoa and parts of it, the Chief Chief Chiefs, if you're allowed to say that now, mate, they've got a young, young team, young squad. Gatlin, mate, probably needed it. Bit of grounding. I actually feel for Gatlin. We're friends now. I did a couple of interviews with him and um, he's warm to me, I think. Um, but yeah, I think naturally... Still didn't people- pick you though, did he, Jim? No, he, di- he didn't pick me. He didn't pick me. But, you know, if he brings me on the Lions tour as a kit man or friend of the team friend of the show rugby pod representative then it doesn't matter but uh yeah i think naturally people are going to ask for me he's still the right man for the job there's more talk around who he's going to bring with him Stuart lancaster's name's been brought into the ring that's been confirmed that gatlin spoke to him you know where does that leave rob howley graham roundtree um it'll be interesting to see how that make because ultimately look we got to look forward right how excited about the lions tour me and goody were there three and a bit years ago, whatever it was, the last one to, to New Zealand. And look, you know, I just retired, new into the media, liked rugby, was a bit tired of it. When I got to New Zealand, we were there. How good was it, mate? I, I, what was about, unbelievable. It was, it was class, weren't it? So yeah. let's look forward and be positive. Leno, stay in your lane, mate. Gats is our man, our man for the British and Irish Lions tour. And it's going to be an unbelievable tour down there. Goody, let me put it this way, is an 8-0 and record in Super Rugby good enough for the Lions coach? Yeah, it's a completely different kettle of fish. Um, you know, let's not beat around the bush with this because he, he, there is, like Jim said, there's no better man to lead the Lions. Look at his previous record. I think the big thing is, was it the right thing for him to take the Chiefs job straight after the World Cup, knowing the Lions tour was going on? I know he's next season he's now going on a sabbatical from the Chiefs. That was perhaps the thing. And it was kind of just getting back into that New Zealand fold um, quickly, knowing full well that he could then go off and coach the Lions. So I think hindsight, everyone in New Zealand or perhaps people in Waikato could have said, well, actually, let's just bring him back straight after the Lions tour. And then he's back fully and there's no other distractions because it's easy now. Once you've gone 0-8, people are saying, oh, he's not the right coach for the Lions. Well, he is on this side of the world. There's no better man, as Jim said, and as I agree with, to lead us to South Africa. But over in New Zealand, of course, he's going to get prickly people coming at him for their um, their results. And, and that's part of being a coach. So it has no effect to, I don't think, to us over here, how he's gone in sub- Super Rugby Aotearoa. I know, come Lions time, he's got the ingredients, he's got the understanding of what it takes. Let's not forget, they went to New Zealand, they drew a series when everyone thought we were going to get 3 0 um, and you know he has got pedigree, he's got understanding. He'll take us out to South Africa and he'll win us that series three 0 So happy days, Gatsis Lions. Here we go. Paul Thompson says, which player looks better with a mask on, a face mask on? So I think he's what he's saying is who needs one, who could do with oh. a face mask. Tomo, the big question here is, who can tolerate their breath? Have you smelt your breath in a mask or not? <laughs> <laughs> mine's all right jim mate mine's all right i mean it's pretty hot it's like i've got hot breath hot hot you'd be surprised actually because my teeth are b4 yellow as the guy told me on the tube well interestingly i want to pull you up on that jim i went to the dentist a few weeks ago okay um and they were doing a color check because that's to have a filling done do you um, smoke yes <laughs> no no do you smoke no uh how many units of alcohol do you drink a week three if you can even do that who knows um but they did this the chart and i said uh, i said oh what was mine and she said a2 i was like okay i said can you describe the chart to me i said well a2 you know, minor a2 and she said 
you know, that means basically they're the whitest you can have unless you have had them professionally bleached. I'm like, right, so I've got the whitest teeth possible naturally. She's like, yeah. I said, what about B4s? And she looked at me. She goes, who's got B4s? I said, oh, my mate Jim, who we're doing the podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and she said, what does he brush them in? Dog shit? I was like, probably, yeah. It's <laughs> genetic. It's genetic, so, uh, mate. It's yeah. genetic, apparently. She, she confirmed that your teeth are brown fours. Yes, yes, Oh, James. mate, is that what the B stands for? Yeah, yeah, brown, brown. Damn, damn, I didn't know. I don't know what the A stands for. Anyway, where were we? Um, who looks best in a mask? Is that what he said? Yeah. Well, who, I think he's saying who needs help. Who's ugly and a mask will improve them. Who needs to cover their face? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Who's Mako. Li- Li- Mako. Oh, Mako. Mako. Yeah. He, he, might need four, he might need four, though. He might need four masks. <laughs> so. Do you reckon he can get them over his ears or what? You know, with his well, massive earlobes. But that's what I just said. If, 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 if he had two masks on, like, one for each ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then from a coach's, from a coach's perspective... I'd Dino, sorry, Dino, mate, don't swear. Yeah, oh, Leo, Leo. Yeah, Leo, Leo Colin wasn't the best looking bloke ever that we played with. So, um, mate, he needs master. a coffee bag, mate. He needs a co- <laughs> like a coffee a coffee bag to put over there. I don't think I don't if you can say these things. Though. I mean, we're hardly oil paintings, yeah. but yeah, you can. Right. Well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly, Goody. Yeah, there's a few good things, a few bad things, and a few ugly things, actually, uh, in the world of rugby this week. It's great to be back. Um, let's start off with the good, as we always do. Super Rugby Aotearoa. We're going to go over there, and we're going to talk about the Saders, the champions. They've dominated it again. They've only lost one game. They came from behind at the weekend to win it. Uh, a fantastic team. Love their coach, Scotty Robertson. He didn't do his breakdancing, though. I think he wants to do it at Eden Park next week. Um, what else was good? We'll stay over in the Southern Hemisphere and we'll go to Australia. Jake Gordon, his first half hat-trick for the Waratahs against the Reds. The Waratahs absolutely pulled the Reds' pants down. Um, but again, it's not the same, is it? Watching Super Rugby Aotearoa is great. And then you flick over to the Australian version. I'm like, mm, not the best. Um, so Jake Gordon, big shout out to him for his hat-trick and the Tars smashing the Reds. Uh, what else was great? Bristol's. Bristol's, Bristol Bearback, Bristol's, Bristol's. Their, their new training ground oh. was absolutely amazing. And Pat Lamb invited us, didn't he, Jim? He did. So we're going to go down there, have a look around. Um, it is the best training facility in the world right now, as they've said. It just looks so high-tech. Um, anything a player could ever wish for. You know, I remember being at Leicester. We used to get you know a cold shower and a curry after training back in the day. You know, these boys are properly well looked after now. Bristol, big expectations for them. Um, they've got an amazing training ground to go to every day and who wouldn't want to go and play for that club? Uh, so a big shout out to them. But the good this week goes to a friend of ours, Jim, as you can imagine. A mutual friend of ours. You play with him for Scotland. Yeah, yeah. I play with him for Worcester Warriors. Alex Keith the Teeth Grove. The only man that can put a snorkel in his mouth where it touches the back of it whilst keeping his mouth closed. <laughs> yeah, he's got the most, talk about teeth, he's got the most horrific set of teeth. But fair play to Grovesy. He swam the channel uh, in 13 hours and 57 minutes, raising money for Acorns Hospice. Uh, I've been there up in Worcester. It's an amazing place. It helps children and families suffering from serious medical conditions. So a massive shout out to Grovey. Uh He's a decent lad. He's got shocking teeth. Uh, I think he's 
dad was in his boat next to him all the way over and back and his brother was there and yeah apparently yeah, a jellyfish as well so a jellyfish was on his face yes. and apparently just ate it i don't know if you can say that if we're allowed to say that but that's yeah. kind of what, well, what happened in, in doing that i think his brother weed on him to to clear the jellyfish state sting well that's um, the best thing apparently wouldn't, well, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that his brother's um, weed on him either or, or done something else. So um, people that know, you know, right? Um, so, yeah, top stuff, Alex Grove. Decent effort, that. 13 hours and 57 minutes non-stop swimming. Can you imagine that, Jim, after doing your triathlon last summer? Yeah, yeah, let's not talk about that. But what we should clear <laughs> up is, like you said, he's got hanging teeth. I'm sure he's missing the front three. I think that that's all it is. He's missing three teeth at the front. <laughs> no? Is he not? Is that, is that not what it is? No, I think that's his full set. It's his oh, full sorry. Set. That is his full set. It's yeah. just, yeah, it just looks yeah. like he's missing three front teeth. Anyway. Yeah. Good stuff, Grovey. Well done, Keith. The teeth. Keith. Keith. Uh, the bad. Um, let's start off down in Exeter. Tony Rowe says that Exeter are losing a million quid a month at the moment. And clubs may go bankrupt if fans aren't allowed back in the stadium soon. So a bit of bad news there. Tony Rowe obviously funding the club that he loves so dearly uh, at the minute. But it's important for clubs. We spoke about it earlier with Simon Orange just to know and understand uh, that clubs could still go to the wall. It's great that no one has at the minute, but there's still huge pressure on these clubs to stay afloat financially. Um, what else was bad? Warren Gatland. We just mentioned him. He has to get a mention in the bad. We do love Gats, but he has to get a mention in the bad because the Chiefs have lost all eight of their super Artel Rua games under him. Uh, not a good record. He's getting some heat from back home, but still a legend of a bloke. Still the guy to lead the Lions, but he does have to get a mention in the bad. Um, what else is bad? We talk a lot on here about Premiership Rugby and Pro 14 Rugby, um, Top 14 Rugby, International Rugby. What we don't mention is as much, potentially, as the grassroots clubs. I read some stuff that's pretty bad this week that grassroots rugby won't come back until probably January next year at the earliest. So a lot of those clubs are uh, under huge financial strain as well. Um, they're not obviously managing to get any revenue through the club on match days or anything like that that they live on and need to survive. So huge pressure on those clubs. So a massive shout out to them and hopefully um, things can ease for them uh, over the next few months and they can get back to playing rugby sooner than January because that's not good news at all. But finally, the bad, unfortunately, has to go to the RFU. We spoke about it earlier. They've scrapped the funding for sevens completely. The men's and the women's game is completely gone. A year out from... The Olympics in Tokyo, where England are the representatives for Team GB as well. So a lot of players uh, out of work, out of jobs, uh, not really having a understanding of where they can do, what they can go to. Um, so really tough times for those guys and girls. So um, the RFU, unfortunately, get the bad this week. And then the ugly. Um, two bits of ugly, really. Um, one COVID-related, one not COVID-related. Um we're going to go, the first bit of ugly is down in Bayonne. What a great place Bayonne is as well. They've sacked forward Sione Tau for drink driving, which isn't good. Um, so that's a bit of ugly news. But the ugly this week, unfortunately, has to go, it stays in France, of course it does, uh, but it has to go up to Paris and Stade Francais. Apparently almost half of the Stade Francais squad have reportedly tested positive for coronavirus and with their friendly games meant to start this weekend um a pretty tough time for everyone up there uh, what does that tell you they've been mixing too much or it's in the community let's not get political and start trying to and start trying to unravel stuff that we don't know about but there you go 
you're in a major city like Paris, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's, this is your segment, Goody, but I just had to jump in because I feel like I'm at my wit's end with it. I really do. Yeah, it's not great. So the ugly this week goes to Stade Francais and a lot of their squad testing positive for coronavirus. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and everywhere else. And if you have time, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be very much appreciated as well. And now that you've finished listening to the podcast, go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and get yourself some free beers as well. Eight free beers. Why wouldn't you? Rugby pod. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) 